This is Ed Source Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. I'm here with John Fensterwald to talk about what happened this week in California education. Great to be here, Lewis, to talk about our favorite subjects. Well, a lot happened this week, John. One of the developments was following up on our conversation last week around the SAT. Uh, Long Beach was trying to get permission from the state to administer the SAT instead of the 11th grade Smarter Balance test. That's right. So what actually happened? Well, as, as we mentioned before, Long Beach is the third largest district in the state, and the superintendent, Chris Steinhauser, who's well known in the state, asked the board and said, look, we don't want to duplicate. We want to give SAT preparation tests and tests to all of our students. We want to encourage them to go to college. And our parents don't want to take the Smarter Balance test. It's excessive. It's another test. Let us just do the SAT because uh, that's where we want kids to get ready to go to college. And so all of our kids will take it. Let us do that. But they wanted a waiver. But the funny thing was, Superintendent Tom Torlakson and State Board of Education President Michael Kurse didn't get that far. They wrote a letter to them instead and said, no, no, you can't do that. We're not going to let you do it, and listed several reasons. What were the reasons? Well, they said for, for starters that the SAT may not be aligned to the Common Core Standards, and that's the point of taking the Smarter Balance test is to see how well you're doing on your academic standards. Second of all, it doesn't accommodate uh, students with disabilities the way that Smarter Balance does, and it also really doesn't, because it really measures how well students are prepared for college, it really doesn't do a good job measuring students at the bottom of the scale, students who are having trouble, including English learners who have accommodations with Smarter Balance, but not for SAT. So, but now would, would Long Beach have been the first district to do this in the state? It would have been the first in the state, although there are two dozen other districts now that give SAT to all of its students, and that's going to increase. And there are also six states, other than California, that plan to, to swap their state tests, their state academic tests, for either the ACT or the, the SAT. Actually, to that, a dozen of those states altogether. Well, let me, I, I, this seems very surprising. Can Torlakson and... and Mike Kirst just take this action on their own? I mean, doesn't this have to be approved by the state board, or what, what's the deal there? Well, I was surprised. I thought they were going to request, uh, Long Beach was going to request a waiver, and that that would have been a board decision. The letter from the superintendent and the president said, no, you don't have the statutory, it doesn't meet state law to grant a waiver for this purpose, and so we're telling you that right now. So is that a settled matter now? I think, I think as more districts give the SAT, I think that this subject will come back again. And, uh, and the other thing is I, I think that SAT and the districts will do some studies that show that, in fact, SAT aligns pretty much with the Common Core, and so that's a bad excuse. But they haven't done that yet. So I think in next year or so, we may see this issue come back again. Okay, I wanted to ask you about kind of a related topic while we're on the testing subject. There was an interesting report came out this week on the advanced placement test. California actually ranks number five among states for the scores that our students get, and these are high school students. That's uh, right. Get on the AP. Now, we are so used to seeing California rank at the very low end on these tests. Yes. What's the deal? What, what's, what do you make of the fact that we do so well on AP tests? Yes, we do. I think part of it is that uh, California districts put a great emphasis on 
getting students to take it, some of them, and they're free, and most of our districts in California do pay for the tests that they take. They offer trainings, they offer some AP preparation, and the other thing is that students know that if you pass an AP with three points out of five, that you can get college credit, and that means a lot to go to, to get into UC and, and CSU, and also to get one less course you have to take. So it means a lot to students to do well in AP, and their districts have really emphasized that. I think it's good news because, as you say, in many ways, California students test at the near bottom on the different national tests, although in SAT it's a little better, it's 30th in the nation. And just let me press you a little bit on that sure. because, because isn't this, or to what extent is this a case of the students at the top, sort of the cream of the crop, who are doing well on these tests and then obviously Smarter Balance and all these other tests, that's everybody taking it. But to what extent is this the reflecting of the kids at the top rather than how we are doing in general as a state? Well, it's, uh, they have not released the demographic data for this latest year yet, but in fact, students across the country, more of them, a wider variety of students are taking AP courses. And so, and California's scores, the percentage of students who pass has increased. So it's not just the the top students, and so we, we need to look at the data when it comes out, but generally, at this preliminary look, it looks pretty good news, Lewis. Well, that's quite reassuring. It doesn't happen often enough, let's put it that way. Well, you, know, you know, Lewis, uh, we've been studying the Common Core Standards in California, and, and maybe maybe it has something to do with it, maybe not, but uh, I know you've been looking into the issue of of whether Common Core will survive the Trump administration who wants to uh, end it, so to speak. And uh, what's, what's going on in California? Is that possible? Well, we looked at this. We actually talked to a lot of people around the state, including county superintendents in parts of the state where people voted for Donald Trump. You know, 26 out of the 58 counties in California voted for Trump. Basically, the situation is that the Common Core is in full swing in California. It is underway. The issue of whether or not to have Common Core at this point, that train has left the station. Common Core is in place. Even in these conservative parts of the state, the, 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 the educators there say there's been very, very little opposition to the Common Core. Well, and you know, in a lot of red states, right, it became politicized, Obama Core and all, but it, I don't even know in many of those states whether parents actually knew the standards. Maybe in California, in fact, they've been implemented a while. Do you think parents are much more familiar? Well, I think they're getting familiar. For some reason in California, this has never become a big issue. Uh, as I say, even in these conservative parts of the state. Also, numbers of people pointed out that people who voted for Trump in these more conservative parts of the state probably didn't vote for him because of his position on Common Core. It was more on issues like immigration, economics, uh, insecurities, and so on. So the Common Core is not a very salient issue in many parts of the state. In addition to that, of course, regardless of what, of what Donald Trump or Betsy DeVos, his Secretary of Education, says, they actually have no power to actually end the Common Core. I mean, this is really up to the states. This is a settled matter in the Every Student Succeeds Act. So that, well, you know, you could see using the bully pulpit to to might have some impact on some people, but probably not to a great extent here in California. Well, one thing they do have power, Lewis, is over immigration, and uh, that's having an apparent effect on 
Dreamers, the, the uh, students who, in California, the Dream Act students, what's happening there? Interestingly, the Dreamers have been more or less exempted from these very harsh policies that the Trump administration seems to be implementing across the state. They've been exempted. You may recall the president saying something like he felt, you know, he had felt a lot of, or something about his heart. But this has not really relieved the fears of a lot of these students. Uh, what we're seeing is that the many fewer are applying for Cal grants, for example. There's some preliminary figures that they're enrolling in lower numbers in community colleges. Also, they are affected. I mean, they don't, you know, if you do anything wrong, if they get picked up, then I think a lot of people feel wrong when I mean like, I don't know, you, you ran a red light or something. There's a fear that they would be at risk. Uh, also, their family members are at risk. So there's a great deal of insecurity amongst these so-called dreamers, even though they have been exempted. Yeah, and these are students who have done well. They went through high school, they've done extremely well, and, and now it's full of anxiety. That's something we're going to follow over time, isn't it, Lilith? Well, absolutely, absolutely. I would have to say, not all these dreamers are in college. I mean, many of them are out there in the workplace and so on. I mean, we, we hear about the University of California students. You know, Janet Napolitano has become a big advocate on behalf of these students. So far, the advocates seem to have carried the day. And I'll just say that today, this afternoon, we hear that uh, Donald Trump is talking about some kind of legalization for undocumented immigrants, for those who haven't committed crimes. Very interesting. That is. So uh, this is all in flux, uh, but at the moment, uh, it's a scary situation. Yeah. And right. I will say that school districts and colleges are trying to respond to this. There's all kinds of, of safe haven policies, sanctuary policies that they are considering. But uh, it's legally, there's a very murky area here because the law is that you can't actually prevent an immigration officer from coming onto your campus or coming onto your school if, if it came, comes to that. Um, there's only so much schools can do to resist efforts by um, immigration authorities to pick up their students. So this is a, a difficult area, but uh, I'd say almost every school district in the state is, is grappling with that issue right now. Yeah. yeah. John, before I let you go, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the, these report cards or templates or displays, whatever, for these different measures, measurements, indicators with all these different colors to show how schools are doing on these multiple measures. There were some that were going to release the first... Uh, Actually, not the. They we're going to actually implement this uh, this week. What what's happening on that front? I can't promise it this week, but the state board and Department of Education do promise this month. And when they do, promising what? Promising. It will be the new accountability system and new report cards for district and students in multiple ways of seeing how your school and district are performing in color. Uh, I used to say in Technicolor. It's going to be color on a website. And you'll be able to see many performance measures and, and see. And the big question is whether it's clear and usable for parents. I think everybody wants to know how people react to this. But just quickly, yeah. how, how is this, who's going to put the data into this? Do the local school districts do that or the state populating those, those uh, report cards? How does, how does that work? How's that going to work? Yeah, well, the data, such as suspensions and graduate